we're going to continue the series on the last days. This is the second volume that we're doing in this particular series. And uh, in the first uh, volume, we looked at the events, key events that have to take place before our Lord Jesus Christ returns to the earth. And we saw that uh, a lot of those key events have in fact taken place. And a lot of those key events are in the process of taking place. In this next uh, series that we're looking at, we're looking at the key events that must shortly take place hereafter. So these key events have not yet begun to take place in the earth, but nevertheless they will take place in a very short period of time uh, from this point onwards. And in the previous teaching we had a look at um, the Ten Kings, as revealed to us in the book of Revelation and obviously also in Prophet uh, Daniel um, chapter 7, his prophecy, well his vision that he received from the Lord. He got to see the ten horns, and those ten horns spoke of ten kings which will arise in the last days. And we saw that the ten kings um, come out of the fourth kingdom, and uh, they are made manifest into the earth prior to the person of the Antichrist coming into the earth. And we looked at uh, a number of aspects around their reign in the earth. But one of the things that we ended off with was, uh, in the previous teaching that is, is the the event that will uh, transpire prior to the Antichrist being made manifest in the earth um, in that these ten kings will be used by God to judge the great harlot which is uh, also referred to as Babylon the great in, in um, prophetic scripture in the book of Revelation and so they all will be instrumental in destroying um, great Babylon or the, or the great harlot and so what we want to do today is we want to have a look at that particular event, the, the destruction of uh, the harlot, the great harlot as referred to in scripture, and also it's a synonymous term, um, the, this, the, this great um, city of Babylon is also referred to as the, as the great harlot. It's, it's two terms for the same entity um, in scripture. So today what we want to look at is this destruction of Babylon because it is a very significant event in the uh, key events that have to take place before our Lord returns. Um, this particular event will impact the whole earth and uh, we're going to have a look at it in more detail today. Um, and so in order for us to start off we firstly want to identify in today's teaching that's really what we're going to focus on today. We're going to focus on well, just what is this uh, great city of Babylon, as referred to in, in prophetic scripture, uh, what is or who is the great harlot. And so the passage of scripture that we'll start off with today is a, a lengthy uh, passage, as most of these passages are, because we're obviously dealing with uh, visions that are shown to the Lord's saints, um, either the prophet Daniel we've looked at so far, and we've looked at also the apostle John. In this one, we're going to be looking at the vision given to the Apostle John pertaining to specifically this um, great city of Babylon. And so the passage we pick up is in Revelation chapter 17, beginning at verse 1. Scripture says, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me, saying to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. 
So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. And on her forehead a name was written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. Verse 6. I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. But the angel said to me, Why did you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. The beast that you saw was and is not and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel, whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they see the beast that was and is not and yet is. Here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven kings are seven mountains on which the woman sits. There are also seven kings. Five have fallen, one is, and the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue a short time. The beast that was and is not is himself also the eighth, and is of the seven, and is going to perdition. The ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have received no kingdom as yet, but they receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast. These are of one mind, and they will give their power and authority to the beast. These will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And those who are with him are called and chosen and faithful. Then he said to me, The waters which you saw where the harlot sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. And the ten kings which you saw on the beast, these will hate the harlot, make her desolate and naked, eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God has put it into their hearts to fulfill his purpose to be of one mind, and to give their kingdom to the beast, until the words of God are fulfilled. And the woman whom you saw is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. And so we see um, uh, quite a bit of detail in this particular vision shown to uh, the Apostle John. Um, the angel has taken John into the wilderness, and he sees... Um, an, an image that portrays certain aspects of uh, what takes place in the earth. And so he sees this beast, and the beast refers to the Antichrist. And we're not going to be looking at the, the Antichrist in any detail today at all. Um, but also he, he gives us a bit of detail about the Antichrist, in that he says that the beast is in fact the eighth who comes from the seventh. And um, we've dealt with that briefly up until now. Here we also see, obviously, the, the seven kings, which we've dealt with previously in previous teachings, identified who the seven kings are. And then we've also had a look here, we receive the ten horns, which are the ten kings, which we dealt with in the previous passage. And we see that it is these ten kings that, in fact, destroy the harlot. Um, we see the harlot sitting on the beast, um, which had the seven heads and the ten horns. And then we also see that 
the harlot is sitting on these uh, waters, and the waters that um, the angel refers to in this passage are in fact nations, tongues, and multitudes. He says the war in verse 15, the waters which you saw where the harlot sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. And so we see these uh, four different um, aspects really, or I suppose it's five. You've got the, the nations, you've got the seven kings, you've got the ten kings, and then you have the beast, and then you have the harlot herself, which is in fact this great city of Babylon. Um, verse 18, the scripture says, And the woman whom you saw is that great city which reigns over the uh, kings of the earth. And so we've already, already identified who the ten kings are and who the seven kings are. Um, the Antichrist is the beast, and we're not going to look at him in any kind of detail today. And so we're wanting to concentrate on this harlot, because we really want to identify just who Babylon is, just who is this harlot, because this harlot is going to be judged by God through the mechanism of the ten kings. We've already dealt with that in the previous teaching. But the destruction of this harlot is going to impact on the whole earth. And so we need to identify uh, who she is. And so we see when we have a look at it that, in fact, this harlot displays the wealth and the luxury of this world. And so it's everything that is pertaining to, to what is desired in this particular world. Uh, for the scripture says, The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. And so the, everything that, that is luxurious and full of wealth is portrayed in this harlot because uh, you know she's, she's arrayed with purple and scarlet, speaking of um, wealth and, and, and uh, royalty and um, rulership. And then she's adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. All the stuff that um, this world places great value on. And so we see that a, a display of the wealth and the luxury of this world coming through in the picture there. But not only that, we also see a display of the sin of this world coming through in this picture of the harlot. For the scripture says, In her hand a golden cup full of abominations and of the filthiness of her fornication. And so that's just speaking of the sin of this world. Um, that this harlot represents. Um, that's why the, the Bible calls her the mother of harlots. And so very clearly in this passage of Scripture, what we're seeing here is what this world system looks like in the spirit. Um, just as the beast is in fact a person, uh, the person of the Antichrist, and we'll look at him more, in more detail as we get into the series of teachings. But nevertheless, in, in the visions that are, are given to, um, to the Apostle John and also the Prophet Daniel, uh, the beast is in fact a person, but he's displayed as a beast, just as uh, Satan in uh, one of the passages is displayed as a, as a fiery red dragon. Um, and so when God shows and reveals to us certain aspects in the earth, as it looks like in the spirit, we see it in a completely different light, really. And so this harlot that is displayed to us in this vision is in fact this world system. And it is displayed to us um, as having gold and uh, precious stones and pearls and arrayed in, in scarlet and, and purple. 
um, but also having this golden cup in her hand. And that golden cup is full of the abominations of the earth and the filthiness of her fornication. And so that is, as I say, it's a spiritual portrayal of what this world system looks like in the eyes of God. Really, that's, that's about where you can get to the nuts and bolts of it. And so that's what that harlot is. In fact, it is this world system. Now, we see that this harlot is, in fact, um, present throughout the ages. It's not a, 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 a personage or a, an entity that is going to still materialize into the earth. This harlot has been present all the time in the earth because he speaks about the fact that this, this um, harlot sits on um, the seven mountains. And the seven mountains we know to be the seven kings, for he speaks about the seven uh, kings in relation to the seven mountains. And we've identified already in Scripture that the seven kings uh, that we have discussed from this vision or, uh, in fact pertain to looking at from the king of Babylon, the kingdom of Babylon, which began in the year 605 B.C., and then all seven of those kingdoms went through to the end of the Sassanian kingdom, which ended in the year 651 AD. So that's over a 1,200-year period that this harlot sits on all those nations in that time. But this harlot was there even before that time, because the Bible talks about the fact that she sits on the beast, and the beast is the Antichrist, and he comes from, you know, right, right back. We're not going to touch on that in any kind of depth today. But the point that we wanted, uh, I wanted to highlight from this passage is that the harlot is not something that is still to be manifested into the earth. She is already present in the earth and has been in the earth all the time, reigning over all the various nations and all the various kings and kingdoms that have come and gone over uh, since time began as far as mankind is concerned, because we're dealing with this world system that rules over this world, uh, the, this present evil age that we dwell in. We're not of this world as, as believers, but nevertheless, we do dwell in this world. Um, and so that's a very important truth for us to realize, recognize. So we, we see that this, this harlot um, portrays the wealth and the covetousness, really, of this world. And the harlot portrays the sin that is in this world. And also we see that the harlot has been present, reigning over the nations of the earth all through the history of mankind. It's not something that is, uh, has only come on the scene, um, I don't know, within the last thousand years or two thousand years even. Um, this harlot has been present ever since mankind has been on the earth. And he's still present today, for the scripture says that she still reigns over the kings of the earth. And so that has not, her, her reign has not ended. And obviously it hasn't because her reign will end when God judges her. And God will judge her through the mechanism of the ten kings, as we saw in the previous teaching. And we see that this, this harlot, in fact, does impact every nation on the earth. Because the scripture talks about the fact that the harlot sits, uh, the waters where the harlot sits, of peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. And um, in, in most, most cases, in visions given to us in Scripture, where waters are uh, described, it is always speaking about the nations of the earth. And so that's what and the, the angel does, just clarifies that truth to us, where he says that the waters where she sits are, in fact, the nations of the earth. 
And so the harlot is, uh, represents the wealth of this world, the, everything that this world desires, all of the covetousness in this world, all the pleasures in this world, um, this harlot represents. It, re, uh, it represents all, she represents all of the sin and the abominations and the filthiness of this world. And she, this harlot has been present in the earth from the time that man came into the earth, obviously from when Adam and Eve sinned. Uh, the harlot has been present in the earth and is still present today and will remain present until such a time as God judges her. Um, and also, the harlot reigns over every single nation in the earth. There is not one nation that has escaped her influence. So even if you were to think about um, primitive tribes out in the middle of the Amazon jungle, even there they uh, are covetous uh, uh, for certain um, material things. You know, there's the, every single um, tribe and people have some kind of a desire to have wealth and also there is obviously the sin aspect that goes through with it. And so that's really what the harlot describes. It is, it is a, a spiritual description of this world system. And this world system is completely at odds with God and which is why God will judge this world system. It's one of the, the events on God's calendar he has determined since the foundation of the world that he will judge this world system. And he, as we said in the previous teaching, he will use those ten kings to do that for him. And so we have a look at an, another account of this harlot and also the fact that the judgment of God is pronounced on her. Revelation chapter 18, verse 1 through to 5. The scripture says, After these things I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. There is that all nations again. So no nation is excluded out of this. So you, know, you get people that try and say, well, the harlot is um, the, the Catholic faith. Well, the Catholic faith has not been in existence as far back as the harlot has. Um, there's also people that say it's, you know, I don't know, the United Nations. The United Nations does not rule over all the earth. The harlot has impacted every nation of the earth since mankind came into the earth, even until today. And that's the, the influence that the harlot has in the affairs of mankind. Um, he says here in verse 3, All the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, and lest you receive of her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. And so this is now a picture of the harlot again, and the judgment that God is now pronouncing on the harlot. And we see a, a number of, ish, uh, again, um, truths revealed to us about this great Babylon, about this uh, great harlot, um, as pertaining to the fact that it is referring to this world system. For again, it says, all nations have drunk of the wine of her fornication. 
All nations we know are sinful in nature, for we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so every one of us have to repent and come into the kingdom of God. And so for those who remain outside of the kingdom of God, they remain in sin. And that is what they want to do. Uh, you know, that's what we all partook of before we came into the kingdom. And so this world is completely against God. It is sinful in nature. And that's a description of the, uh, the world. But also, look at this. He says, the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. And so that's just, again, talking about the covetousness that is in this earth. There, there is this um, the desire for wealth. There is this absolute uh, hunger for, in the world I'm talking about, for uh, position and power and wealth. And that is what uh, motivates this world system, really for people to be able to require as much as they can unto themselves and, and to acquire things and status. Um, the, the, the Bible talks about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. All of that is this world system. And that's what this, this picture is describing to us um, so clearly in Scripture. That, that is really what the harlot is all about. Um, now God says to his saints, and he warns his saints, that we're to come out of her. For he says, uh, come out of her lest we share in her sins. And so God admonishes us as believers to remove ourselves from the sin that is in the world. For he says, um, come out of her lest we share in her sins. And so we're not to partake as believers. We're not to partake of the covetousness and the sin that is in the world. Um, because all that is in the world is not of God. And so you you get uh, many believers who get caught up in this. Our Lord spoke about that when we, when we dealt with it in, in the, pre, the previous series. When our Lord spoke about the so-and-so in the, the Word, and he, the one category He spoke about were those who, um, who the thorns grew up and choked the Word. And the thorns He spoke of were the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things, entering in, choke the world, Word and make them unfruitful. And so that is what this world does. It has, it displays this deceitfulness of riches. You recall that is the, the temptation that was put before our Lord Jesus by Satan in the wilderness when um, Satan displayed the glory of, the, of all of the, the kingdoms of the earth and said, you know, I'll give this all to you because it's all been delivered to me. Um, and the scripture says how he displayed the glories of the kingdom of the earth. Uh, in a moment of time to the Lord. And so that is what this world hungers after and thirsts after, because that's what their God does. Um, Satan, remember, he, he, one of the reasons he fell was he became prideful because of his great beauty that God had created him to be. And so he, his eyes got, were taken off of God and placed upon the things that God had given unto him. And so that became his God. And so he became prideful in that which he had. And all that he had, had, he'd been given by God. And so that supplanted God in his life. And that's what this world looks after, is to go after the wealth that is in the material things, the possessions that are in this world. That is what the harlot represents in this world. And that's what uh, this picture shows us as well. But God then admonishes the saints, for he says again in verse 4, And I heard another voice from heaven, this is the Father speaking, Say, come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven and God has remembered her iniquities. Now, God speaks the same language 
in another passage of scripture that where he makes a comment he says come out of her my people lest you share in her sins he says that very uh, similar thing to us in the new testament in one of the epistles that's in 2 corinthians chapter 6 verse 16 and 17 the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth and obviously to the church today. And uh, he says, And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Now look at what God says. Verse 17, Therefore, Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. And so those two uh, passages are almost identical. God uses a slightly different terminology when he uh, speaks to the saints in Corinth. For in the book of Revelation, he says, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins. In the book of Corinth, he says, Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. And so God admonishes us in both passages that as saints we are to separate ourselves from the world. Now, he doesn't say to isolate ourselves from the world. So Christians are never called to go and start living in um, communities out in the middle of nowhere and to cut them, isolate themselves from the world. That's not uh, what God's instruction to his saints is. We are to be light and salt in the world. And so we live in the world, but we're not of the world. And so we're, we're to live separated lives in the world. Um, a lot of people say, yeah, Jesus hung around with sinners. Well, yes, that's true. But every sinner that came into the presence of the Lord repented of their sin and then changed their lifestyle. No one came into the presence of the Lord and continued living in a sinful lifestyle while walking around with him. That's just not how God operated. And so because when Jesus came into the earth, he said he had not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And so when God ever, when our Lord ever encountered sinners in the world, he would say to them, go and sin no more. Um, and so the Lord would never just um, tolerate sin around him. He would invite sinners to, and they were attracted to him because he spoke words of life. But those who came to him, he changed. Think about Mary. She came. She had seven demons. Our Lord cast the seven demons out of her. Her life changed forever. And so that is what we're meant to do as believers. We come into contact with the sinners in the world, but we don't fellowship with sinners. We minister to them. Um, we show them the light of the gospel. We show them who Christ is in us. And we live a righteous lifestyle before them, not condemning them. Nevertheless, we did uh, deal with it in previous teachings. The Holy Spirit within us does condemn them. That's why you do get uh, unbelievers who feel very uncomfortable around certain Christians. Why is that? It's because the Holy Spirit in that Christian is condemning them of their sin, convicting them of their sin. That's, uh, convicting is a better word rather than condemning them. But he's convicting them of their sin, and so they get uncomfortable uh, when they come into the presence of certain believers. Um, but for believers who are living as the world lives, those unbelievers don't get convicted, convict, convicted at all because, you know, the, the Holy Spirit can't do anything because the Christian and the unbeliever are living similar lifestyles. So we're never called to live as this world lives. We're called to live in the world but not as the world lives. That's why God says to us, come out from among them and be separate. 
So don't be isolate, but be separate, says the Lord. And do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. And so that is what our Lord is talking about when he speaks about uh, this great Babylon. He's actually speaking about the world because in the book of Corinthians, he admonishes us to come out of the world and to separate ourselves from the world. And so when he speaks about this, this great uh, Babylon, the city of Babylon, this great harlot, and he admonishes his saints to come out, lest we share in her sins. And so that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to separate ourselves so that we don't become contaminated with sin again, but that we do live as light in the world and show in the world what the kingdom of God is really like. And so we don't condemn. We walk in love towards those, and we tell them about the love of Jesus. But we don't compromise the righteousness of God. And so we live righteously in a sinful world. Um, and that's how God expects us to, to walk in this world. Um, and so just to, to prove the point again that we are not called to isolate ourselves out of, from the world. We're merely to separate ourselves from the world. So there's no fellowship there. Um, there's interaction and there is um, our inviting them to come and join us in the kingdom of God. But it's not a case of we go and join them in what, what the practices that the world still practices. So when the world wants to go out and drink and party, uh, the saints don't go out with them and drink and party with them because they, they, you know, they want to try and win them into the kingdom of God. That's not how the saints do it. The saints say, you know, so, you know that's not what we do anymore. But when you're finished with your drinking and partying, come talk to me and we'll talk about the things of the kingdom of God. Uh, and we can do that over coffee. We don't need to do that over uh, a bottle of wine. But anyway, I don't want to get into that in any kind of depth. But here's an, a scripture that just shows us that we're not to isolate ourselves from the world. That's not the intention of God. 1 Corinthians 5, 9 and 10, the scripture says, I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or idolaters. Since then, you would need to go out of the world. And so, yes, we do keep company with the world in that um, we sit down and we have a meal with them and we share things with them. We don't always preach to them. We live our Christian life before them. And they see us in our workplace. We, we, everybody knows that we're Christians, and so they watch our lifestyle. And that is what God uses to um, witness to the unbelievers. Now, when the opportunity arises, we are meant to share our testimony as well, because uh, the Scripture says that we must always be prepared to share the hope that is within us with those around us, whoever desires to know about it. But we don't go and preach to everybody. Uh, you know, saying you must repent and give your heart to the Lord Jesus. That's not the witness that we're called to live. We're called to live as light in the world. And those whom God has deemed will be attracted to the light will be drawn to us. Those whom God has not called, um, they will you know, stay their distance because darkness does not like light. That's as, as simple as that. And so we are to live separated lives in the world um, and as such, God is admonishing his saints. We're not to partake of the covetousness that is in the world. We're not to partake of the sin that is in the world, of this um, absolute 
our greed and hunger for the riches of this world. And that is such a, the Bible, our Lord was very plain. He said, the deceitfulness of riches. Riches are very deceitful because it is, in the natural, it is so attractive. You know, what's wrong with having excessive wealth? Well, it becomes wrong when excessive wealth starts to have you. Then it becomes wrong. And so, yes, riches is part of the kingdom of God, and God does bless many of his saints. But we're to be uh, weary along this line. We're not to become covetous. The Lord is not against his saints being rich. He is against his saints being covetous. And covetousness is, somebody who has nothing can be covetous. It's not only the rich who are covetous. It is everybody who hungers after the riches of this world. Well, then we're on uh, dangerous ground if we start walking down that road. The Apostle John uh, speaks about this aspect as well in his writings. In 1 John chapter 2, verse uh, 15 to 17, he says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, and now he lists it, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. And so, again, here the Apostle, or the Holy Spirit through the Apostle John, is again just portraying to the saints what is of God and what is not of God. And he says here, all that is in the world, and then he lists it, he says the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, he says, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And so that is what, he's, what God is going to be judging um, when these ten kings are used of him to judge the great harlot, to judge um, the great city of Babylon. That is what the, the, the picture is of Babylon in Scripture. It is, in fact, a portrayal of this world system, the, the, the way that this world has the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And that's really what this world system is all about, is, you know, what, look at what I've done in my life, look at what I've achieved, um, look at my wealth that I've accumulated, and, and the, this world admires those who do that and seeks to follow after those who do that because everybody wants to have more and wants to achieve more now when we in the kingdom of god again our lord reverses it completely he says if you want to be great in the kingdom of god this is how you do it you become the servant of all and so you don't go out there and achieve great success you go out there and serve as many as you can that is a greatness in the kingdom of God. Um, the world doesn't look at that at, at, at that at all. It is who can be the one who can influence the most people, have the most Im impact in the lives of people. And we look at um, the way that the world thinks, and we try to bring that into the church. We try to think, well, that's how we the church should be as well. She should become successful, and she should become. Um, and it's that's actually not God. Um, God is more about 
what can we do to help one another and serve one another and bless one another. But uh, yeah, I don't want to get into that in any kind of depth today. The point that I really want to do, uh, emphasize in today's teaching, is that this great harlot, the city of Babylon, is in fact the world system. And it is that world system, which is the covetousness that is in this world, uh, the sin that is in this world, uh, all of that which is the, the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, all of that will be destroyed in one blow at the end of the, well not at the end of the age, but one of the events that will take place uh, towards the end of the age, when those ten kings are used by God to destroy the, uh, this great harlot. And so we just need to identify who the great harlot is. It is not a literal city. It is not a religion such as the Roman Catholic faith. A lot of people love to try and make it the Roman Catholic faith, but it's not that. It is not the European Union. It is this world system. It impacts every single nation, every tribe, every uh, tongue in the earth. Um, it has been there ever since mankind has been on the planet. It will be there until these ten kings judge her. Um, God has admonished his saints to come out from that and to separate themselves from that, lest we partake of those sins and we become contaminated with that. And so that is what we have to separate ourselves from. We don't separate ourselves from people, but we separate ourselves from the sin that people commit. So again, getting back to that example, when they invite uh, saints to go partying with them for, for drinking parties and things like that, the saint withdraws and the saint says, sorry, I can't, I can't join you in that endeavor. But when you finish with that and you want to sit down and have a meal and a cup of coffee and talk about things, well, then we can. We can have fellowship. And that's the kind of thing that the saint is meant to be doing in the earth today, separating themselves from this. Because as we will see in the next teaching, because we're not going to go into it today, I wanted to just lay the groundwork as to who this Babylon is that God will destroy. In the next teaching, we're going to look at how God destroys this great city of Babylon. Again, the great city, it's not a literal city. I'm talking about in the spirit, uh, a, a spiritual picture as presented to us. Because in fact, we see in, in, in the vision, we see a, a harlot. We don't see a city, even though she's called the city of Babylon. We see a picture of a, of a harlot. And so that is what God is going to destroy um, as one of these key events. There will be the ten kings that will do it. Um, and we will find out in the next teaching just how they will go about accomplishing God's purposes in destroying her. But we just needed to establish very soundly that the great harlot is in fact this world system representing all of the material wealth in the world and all of the covetousness and all of the sin that is in the world. Um, but we'll have a look at in the next teaching just how God goes about destroying the great harlot of Babylon. Okay, teaching on that.